You're listening to the podcast for Asbury United Methodist Church. Join us every Sunday at 9 a.m. for small groups, 10 a.m. for worship, or anytime at asburybosier.org. Thanks, Matt. Thank you for having me. I'm glad to be with you today. The scripture today is one of Jesus's miracles. Now, there is something like 37 recorded miracles at the hand of Jesus. And this is one of them. But this one is a little unique. It's only in Mark. And Jesus takes two times to heal a man's vision to perfect clarity. But it comes from March, March. How about Mark? Not March. We're not there yet. Mark 8, 22 to 26. Jesus and his disciples came to Bethsaida. Some people brought a blind man to Jesus and begged him to touch and heal him. Taking the blind man's hand, Jesus led him out of the village. After spitting on his eyes and laying his hands on the man, he asked him, do you see anything? The man looked up and said, I see people. They look like trees, only they're walking around. Then Jesus placed his hands on the man's eyes again. He looked with his eyes wide open. His sight was restored and he could see everything clearly. Then Jesus sent him home saying, don't go into the village. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. So Bethsaida, This is where Jesus and his disciples were. Bethsaida was located on the northern side of the Sea of Galilee. And it did not have a very good reputation. In Matthew 11, Jesus talks about this being one of the cities that saw miracles over and over and yet still lacked faith. It was kind of labeled as a city of unbelief. And yet this is where some people led a blind man to Jesus. Now he had to be led by these people because he couldn't find his own way. And uh, Matt mentioned that I have three kids here and oftentimes my youngest will have formed some kind of creation or piece of art. And she's like, mom, 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 close your eyes, close your eyes. And she'll take my hand and she'll try to guide me through, I think, honestly, it's the longest path possible to whatever she has created. And I have to be honest that I probably crack my eye open just a little bit because I'm afraid I'm going to be led directly into a wall or maybe down some steps that were failed to mention were in front of me. Um, So it's a very vulnerable position to give up my sight and to be led by my hand to see something to somewhere where something's gonna happen or something's going to be revealed to me. And yet this is where this man was. He was led by his friends or these people to Jesus. And then Jesus took him by the hand and led him out of town. And if we close our eyes, our other senses become heightened. 
We start hearing things maybe we didn't hear before. We feel things we didn't feel before. We're in that more vulnerable state. And by these men leading him to Jesus, grace was already at work in this process. It was the responsibility of some people to take him to Jesus. And then they let Jesus do the rest. And I think oftentimes I need that reminder that it is not my job and my responsibility to see things all the way through to when things are super clear at the end, but to maybe hold a hand and guide partially through that journey. And when they got there, it only says that it was Jesus and this man. Nobody else is recorded as being on the outskirts of this village. I don't know if it's because they didn't write it down or because people didn't care. They had already said it was a city of unbelief. Was everybody too busy? Were they heading to carpool line where they were going to spend their next 30 minutes on then go to play practice and soccer practice and volleyball that are on opposite sides of the village that all start and end at the same time? Um, why weren't they there? Part of me wonders if, if Jesus took him out of the village so that maybe he could notice how much the village affected his vision. And how much do you think our village affects our vision? Now, scientifically, vision, when light hits our eyes, hits our retina, we have photoreceptors that change that into an electrical signal that runs through the optic nerve to our brain to where we make sense of what that light means, what that image means. Now, do we all see the same thing? Do we all perceive that light source the same? No, I don't even perceive it like I did a few years ago. At 42 years old, my already very long arms weren't long enough to hold the paper, the phone, the book far enough away from my eyes to see it clearly. So now I had to invest in a pair of readers, which are never where I need them to be um, when I need them. But clarity is based on many, many different things. Clarity of sight. And sometimes our eyes play tricks on us. Have you seen optical illusions where there are maybe two straight lines and then they start looking curved? Or there are dots on a page and you know they're stationary, but they look like they're moving. Our eyes play tricks on us because it does take a little bit of time for that light to get to our brain, for that signal. It takes about a tenth of a second for us to formulate an image of what we see. So there's a little bit of a delay. So if you're walking at about a meter per second, which is not super fast, then over one second, you've covered 10 centimeters. Thank you metric system, which 
That's about four inches. So there is a small delay between what we see and when we perceive it. And so in order to compensate for that, our brain does something kind of fancy. We start making a best guess about what is going to happen next. We anticipate it. You know, I've got my son here is playing basketball. My daughter did last season. You have to start anticipating what's coming in order to be prepared for it. And our mind does a lot of different tricky things to help us make a best guess about what is going to happen. So as we live and we train and we make these patterns of thought in our mind and we train our mind to make the next best guess, how are those around us affecting our training that our best guess is an accurate perception of what we're seeing? And do you think that our environment affects our best guess of what's to come with our visual images? Verse 23, Jesus took the man out of the village and spits on the guy's eyes and puts his hand on him and says, do you see anything? He spits in his eye. That is nasty. That's nasty. But this is not, this is not unheard of. This has happened before. And it was believed that there might be some kind of medicinal element in saliva. Um, in Mark 7, spit was used in another miracle. And a man that couldn't hear and couldn't speak clearly. And then in John 9, um, Jesus heals a blind man where he spits and creates mud and puts the mud on the man's eyes. And when that's washed away, he could see. So maybe it wasn't quite as weird as we think that it might be today. But in verse 24, the man answers Jesus, I see people. They look like trees walking around. Does anybody have an image of the ants from Lord of the Rings? Or maybe the the talking apple trees from the Wizard of Oz? I see people, but they look like trees. Now, how did the guy know what trees looked like? How did he know what people were supposed to look like? Had he seen before? Did he already have a reference point of what things were supposed to look like? You know, if he knew what people were supposed to look like and was able to articulate this to Jesus of what he was currently seeing, then it seems like after Jesus touched his eyes, And if he knew Jesus' track record, that was usually first time is a charm, then he should have been healed. And yet, he says, I can see, but not very clear. So I think there's a couple of things to consider here. The first of all was the man healed on the basis of his faith. Was he partially healed because his initial faith wasn't strong enough to heal all the way? I don't know, I don't know. Um, Or was this maybe to foreshadow 
what was coming along their journey. In the same chapter of Mark 8, right before this, Jesus feeds 4,000 with seven loaves of bread. The disciples are talking about, after, after this, they get on a boat and the disciples are talking about not having enough bread. And Jesus was like, what happened with those 4,000 people? How many leftovers did we have? Say, oh, and the 5,000. What happened with those 5,000 people? How many loaves of bread did we have left over? How many are you? 12. You got blurry vision? We're not seeing things maybe clearly based on a track record? Are we formulating our next best guess of what's going to happen based on what we are seeing? Your vision can still be blurry. What happens next is in this story is Jesus and the disciples head north to Caesarea Philippi. And Jesus asked, who do you say, who, who do people say that I am? And this is kind of a turning point in Mark's gospel. Because the rumor was, or the party line was, that Jesus was another prophet. It's a little bit of blurry vision, right? But Peter says, you are the Messiah. There's a moment of clarity, a moment of clear vision. And I think there's another point to even talk about with this, why it took this long, or why was his vision still blurry? And one was, he asked, do you see anything? Jesus asked, do you see anything? Is the man gonna tell the truth? That he can't see things clearly, that it doesn't look quite right. Was he going to be honest that things were still a little off, a little unclear? I can tell you that I'm not always honest about what I see or how well I see things. There are many things and many years that affect my perception of what is happening in front of me. But do I even know when it's blurry? and when I have a clear image of it. Thank God he was honest. I can see, but it's not clear. I'm in a pretty blurry situation here, Jesus. He was touched by God himself. It was still blurry. Like the disciples in the bread, they had seen miracles performed, yet it was still confusing. They were still unsure. If the guy knew what trees looked like, and he knew it wasn't what it was supposed to be, then his vision was not received in that moment. It had been restored. There was maybe a time when he did see clearly, and it was taken away. And in verse 25, it says, he looked with his eyes wide open. His sight was restored and he could see everything clearly. He could have walked away 
when things were still unclear and been satisfied with blurry vision. But he was honest and Jesus placed his hands on him again and he was fully healed. Once our vision has been fully restored to see Jesus and see this world with accurate perception, we need to be careful where we go and be aware of what alters our perception. He said, do not go back into that village. God's word brings us light, illumination, to open our eyes to see and our ears to hear. We need those eyes and ears to hear what those in our village are saying and doing that is affecting our vision. Are they contributing to it being clearer or more confusing? One of the things I've noticed in my vision, other than having to hold things further away, is that I need more light. I'm getting right up under the light to see things, especially if they're in a small print. I need more light to see clearly. And I ran across these artists. It's Tim Noble and Sue Webster. And they have a couple, they have these exhibits. And if you look at these, there's trash bags and cups and styrofoam and all of this. And then when you're in the, the studio, you stand there for a minute and then a light comes on. And look at what is projecting behind them. And then here's another one. I have three of them. That's like cans. It looks like they have like a BB gun shot them or something. And then a light comes on. And it's the skyline of Manhattan. And then there's one more. That looks like a jumbled up mess. There's aerosol cans and toilet paper and wood. And then you turn the light on. And that is what you see. Sometimes we just need the light. We can look at ordinary, everyday things. When we shine the light of God on it, and we have a perception that has been touched and healed by Jesus Christ, that normal, everyday stuff can become a work of art and become something beautiful. When we are unsure, do we lean in and place our hope and our security in what has been taught over and over and over and proven to be true over and over and over again? 1 Corinthians thirteen twelve. Now we see things imperfectly like puzzling reflections in a mirror. But then we will see everything with perfect clarity. All that I know now is partial and incomplete, but then I will know everything completely, just as God now knows me completely.